Hi, welcome back to Zenith Podcast. I'm your host, Cesar Davila, and I'm here with a guest. Her name's Brina Corberubias. She's an activist. She's an entrepreneur. She was actually a college graduate from the college we first went to, in Ch- which is Chico State. And she's an old friend and a good friend. And she's here in the podcast for the first time. Welcome, Brina. Thank you, Cesar. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... It's so interesting because, like, it was you're another case where uh, we kind of knew each other in high school. No, we didn't know each other in high school. We just knew of each other, but um, we met in college because we were the only two of the high school to go to that college. And we met, and it was great. <laughs> like, I'm so upset that I didn't meet you before, but I'm very glad that you're in my life now. Yeah, I agreed. I think you know everything's meant to be, and we found each other at an amazing time to find each other. I know, right? It's great. Um, so. One thing I for sure, um I want to like get into is like what I love uh, about you is your your uh how close you you are to your spiritual side like on how you meditate and you've literally told me how like you go on meditation retreats you know when did that start It first started in 2018 I had gotten really sick with a disease that I didn't know I had and then all of a sudden not only my entire life changed but the way that I viewed everything that I know just completely transformed in lots of different ways. And so summer 2018 is the first uh, meditation retreat that I went on. And it just, to say that it changed my life actually feels like an understatement because when you enter a new world, sometimes it's so transformative that the way you view the world and the way that you, you you go about things in general is just so different that to say it changed my life is weird because it's like it doesn't even feel like the same life after going through so many meditation retreats and uh like do you know like do you have like an estimate number of how many you've gone at least four intense and by intense i mean longer than three days and you remain silent for those days and are you like are you by yourself this whole time as well? For half the retreats I've been on, yes, and the other half, no. They were a part of a collective group. A collective group. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how did you find this collective group? <laughs> like, I guess, do they, do they have a name or like... Yeah, so one of the meditation retreats I've been on was a Buddhist retreat at the Shambhala Mountain Center in Colorado, I had never been to Colorado. I'm a California girl and Los Angeles girl, and I flew to Colorado by myself to go on this retreat. It was five days long, and we do something called noble silence, where you remain quiet the whole time, and the only people to talk are the Buddhist teachers. And we stay in um, what is basically a temple And so it's a whole land, um, the Shambhala Mountain Center, it's a whole land and you have um, not very comfortable places to sleep and you have vegetarian meals that are provided to you three times a day and you have very small snacks and some tea. And throughout the five days, the Buddhist teachers will um, teach you specific practices that they then send you off on to do on your own during the time that we have alone. So even though those five days you're constantly surrounded by people, even when you're alone, there's people who are not very many feet from you who are also alone meditating. Um, it, It feels like you're on your own solo adventure, even though people are around you. 
And then other retreats that I went on, I actually created for myself. Um, I call them my solo meditation retreats where I'm completely alone and I actually create my own retreat. And you create your own retreat based off of like what you learn from like other retreats and like other stuff that you researched or how does that work? Yeah, a combination of both of that. I've actually just fallen in love with the research, like you said, the actual science, believe it or not. Some people, a lot of people don't usually associate spirituality and science. A lot of people see those two things as two different things, but that's one of the things that draws me so much to my version of spirituality and my version of being one with the universe and God is that there is so much science and research um, that is behind the meditations that I'm doing and that other people are doing that that's what makes me feel confident and and it ends up working the things that I, I strive to do and the things that I intend to come out from these practices they they end up happening it works and when it comes to meditation like for someone who doesn't know like what it is or like you know like how it works uh, how would you describe it to someone meditation isn't just one form a lot of people see meditation as um you know a lot of people say i can't meditate because i can't get myself to stand still or i can't get my thoughts to stop well meditation isn't about stopping your thoughts it might be some forms of it might be but there's so many different ways to meditate that people don't realize it's not very publicized. Um, it's not like the news is talking about different ways to meditate. So, you know, it's hard for people to learn those ways. But, um, for example, one form of meditation that I do very regularly is music meditation. And so instead of stopping your thoughts, I actually put my focus and my thoughts fully towards a song. And so I'll put my headphones on and I'll do nothing but fully focus on the beats and the voice and whatever is going on in that song. I'm meditating on it. To meditate means to focus, to concentrate on one thing. So to me, to, to meditate is just to focus on something and it being so intentional that you're doing something with it. So when I meditate to music, um, like I said, there's a lot of science that I learned before I started doing this, but I intend for my focus to heal certain parts of my body. And um, can you like kind of give a, 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 a an example of like a, a piece of science that you learned from music meditation? Yeah, so... I wish I could say exactly where this comes from for someone to look it up very quickly, but there's a saying that imagination is reality, and there's actually very real science and evidence and many studies to back that up. And so what it means for imagination to be reality is that if you close your eyes and imagine something so intensely that you lead yourself to feel as if you are there, then even though it's happening in your head, that reality is actually happening on a different level of things. You could call it a different dimension. I know a lot of people get kind of 
like, oh, that's too much for me. Like, that's weird. Like, we're talking about different dimensions now. Like, that's not what I'm about. But it's actually, like, it's a pretty simple thing that happens all the time, but we just don't talk about it. I mean, but it's like daydreaming, you know? Like, you're exactly. not here. Exactly. So there's a certain amount of feeling and intention that has to happen in order for it to, um, like I'm saying, become reality. Because you could imagine something in the back of your head while you're listening to your teacher in your classroom, right? But you're still in that classroom. But I'm talking about, like, closing your eyes and literally feeling this imaginary land. So I'll give you an example. I very recently won a five-day vacation at a luxury resort in Bali. That's Yes. Okay, wait. So how did you win that really quick? How did I win that? That's a, that's actually a fun story. Um, do you want I guess? Yeah. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a Klingon Day concert. Klingon Day is a tropical house electronic music artist. And it was one of the first concerts I'd ever gone to completely alone. And a lot of people say, how do you go places alone at all? You know, like to the market or to the bar, to a club. People are so wowed at people who go places alone. I've I've just been used to it for a long time. And I love it. I meet people. And it's not always on purpose, but I just have fun no matter what. So I'm at this, at this concert alone. And I don't drink alcohol at all. And so because I don't drink alcohol, I could actually last a lot longer than a lot of people because I don't get so tired. And so the event ended at 4 a.m. So when 3 a.m. came around, there was only me and one person left, and we took the dance floor. So from 3 to 4 a.m., it was just me, this one man who had this giant majestic cape he was like a wizard or something the way that he danced made me feel like I was in this magical land dancing with this wizard man or something and then the DJ is performing and it was awesome it's just the DJ me and this magical wizard man dancing from three to four in the morning at this awesome event and so when it was over we're like hey what's up who are you nice to meet you and this person ended up being um, a spiritual healer and an energetic, um, an energetic, an energy worker. And so, about a year after that, I actually met him a second time to have um, an energy session, energy work session, very like specific stuff. And so, that's how I met him. And so, the way that I want a trip to Bali was that energy worker sent out an email saying, hey, I'm going to be interviewed about my work. I would love for you all to see it. At the end of the interview, there'll be a chance to win a five-day trip to Mexico. And I'm like, perfect. I'm going to win this trip to Mexico, and I'm going to support this friend, and it'll be great. And so when I saw that email, I instantly knew that I was going to win. And there's some other stuff that um, led to this moment, but I just knew it. And so Around that same couple of days, I had listened to this song and it just, I just loved it. It just got me and it was my first time hearing it. And I was like, this is amazing. I need to do nothing but listen to this song because it just felt so good to listen to it. So the first time I heard it, I heard it. I shut my eyes, I put my earphones on, I put myself alone in my room, and I repeated that song like 20 times. And so 
that song is a very high beat song and it's talking about like partying and having a good time. And so I imagine myself vacationing somewhere across the world. So I listened to the song about 15 times in a row and all those seconds of listening to it was just imagining myself vacationing in this magical place and feeling so good and having the time of my life. That same week, I ends up winning a trip to anywhere in the world. It ended up not being Mexico. That was the way they advertised it to make it quick and simple, I guess. But it turns out that that five-day luxury resort vacation was at a destination anywhere your choice from a whole list of locations all around the world. So I listened to this song and was imagining myself in this magical place on vacation all over the world. And that same week, I have the choice to go anywhere in my in the world and vacation and party. And um, there is Asia. There is multiple places in Thailand, lots of places all over the USA. There was Puerto Rico. There was Cancun, Puerto Vallarta. There is so many places all over the world, and I had my choice, and I chose Bali, and so that's coming up. So I do identify with music, meditation being the reason, and or at least one of the reasons that I want that trip. That just blew my mind right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that's literally manifesting. Like you said, you kind of you created that reality. But it didn't seem like it was an accident. Like, based off of what's going on, it felt like the universe kind of just, like, led that to you, you know. But that was, that's incredible. That is incredible. And I really like the way you um, just describe meditation, how uh, it's kind of just putting your focus into one thing, you know. Because when you are saying that, I was thinking of, like, when, like, when do I do that? And unintentionally i've been doing this for years um it's with stargazing for me personally like i always like stargazing has always been really easy for me to do like i always feel so good after like i've always it's always been so peaceful i could literally do it for hours like i i could do it for hours me and you we went to joshua tree just to stargaze you know that's something that i do and you saying just made me realize that that possibly is a form of meditation that maybe I can just, uh, now that I know that I could use that to challenge, uh, to channel more of focus or energy to that, you know, that is, that is, uh, that's so interesting. I, I love that. So, um, where, where else have you, um, like when you do these solo medita- meditation retreats, I know that you just came, you just came back from one, right? Yes. Where was it at? I went to Oregon for the first time. How was that? It was great. I definitely wanted to do more than just my retreat at times, but things are quarantined and I was there for my retreat, so I only did my retreat. So I didn't see a whole lot, but it was I was there for what I was there for and it was amazing. Yeah, I remember you uh you were posting on your Snapchat just being literally surrounded by trees and it was gorgeous and amazing and that's something I would love to do like so do you just find an Airbnb and like like is that is that how you find places? 
Yeah, great question. That's exactly how I go about my solo meditation retreats. They're actually pretty significantly based on Airbnb. Shout out to Airbnb. If you've never used it, I highly recommend. I've had nothing but amazing experiences. So what I do when I choose these solo retreats, well, the the purpose of me choosing a solo retreat is that I know the things I have to work on and I recognize that I must be alone. And I also recognize that not everyone has the privilege of doing that. You know, you might be a mom and have three kids and you don't really have that option. And so I understand that um, maybe this isn't for everyone or if it is, it could be, uh, you know, tweaked a little bit to work for you. So don't just think, oh, I can't do that. It could be tweaked to work for you. But the way that I go about it is I go on Airbnb and I look for a place that I have the whole place to myself and I have the necessities that I need, such as a shower, a kitchen. Sometimes I won't need a kitchen because I only eat certain foods when I do this. And sometimes those foods, I might just need a fridge, but not a stove. So I might need a kitchen. I might not. And maybe I need a heater. Maybe I don't, depending on the location. So things like that. And then I um, just put the least amount of money that I could possibly spend to have that private space. And so it turns out that California is expensive. And so a lot of the time it will be cheaper for you to pay for a flight and go somewhere to be alone in an Airbnb and then come back as opposed to an Airbnb in California. So that's the reason that my solo meditation retreats have often ended up far away. Yeah, they're always out of state. Yeah. And that's actually why is that I saved money. Um, So you asked me, how do I choose it or how do I go about creating the schedule? Uh, Well, I mean, I kind of asked both. Uh, You answered the first one. So (laughs) let's go to that second one. How do you like, yeah, how how do you create your schedule? So like I said, it depends on what I'm going through at that time. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, those things that you're going through specifically address them. So this past meditation retreat on, I, I went on in Oregon. It actually ended up being mostly about childhood trauma healing. So for anyone listening, if you don't know this already, A lot of the pain that we deal with could be physical pain, could be emotional pain. A lot of the pain we deal with as adults is actually a result of childhood trauma that was never addressed. And we live in a world and a society where it's not normal to address those things. So that's actually a lot of the reason that a lot of people feel unwell, whether it's just you know, depressed every once in a while or chronically depressed or chronically in pain. A lot of this unwell feeling is a result of things that were never addressed. And everyone is energy. Every human being is energy. Everything is energy. And so when we're children, we're still coming into our full bodies and the things that happen to us create effects on our DNA and they actually um, somewhat transform who we are. So when you're three years old and you're overhearing your dad and your mom yell about something specific, when you're 20 years old, you might not ever think about that moment. You might 
not even remember it. And if someone says, hey, when you were three, did your mom and dad yell about this specific thing and you overheard? You might say, no, that never happened, but you just don't remember it. But these moments are actually affecting us and making us who we are. And every human being is 95% subconscious. So what that means is um, subconscious programming is created out of a number of things. One of those things is childhood, what we go through and what we hear and what we experience. You know, that's why being a baby and being a toddler, being a young child, we all know that they experience life differently. And we know that um, theta brain waves and certain brain waves are working differently. So that has to do with that. Another thing that plays in a subconscious programming is the TV shows that we watch. If we go on Instagram a lot, whatever you're watching on Instagram is definitely playing a role in your subconscious, which ends up being like who you are and the actions that you do. So when I went on this solo meditation retreat for this past time, it was a lot of specific trauma healing. So things that went down between me and my parents throughout my life, I had to write about it. And even though it was very uncomfortable and at times it feels very horrible like why would I want to remember this horrible thing that happened to me like I could just move on and be happy and it it'll be fine but sometimes it needs to be addressed so I spent a lot of time uh, um, unraveling specific traumas and writing myself questions like what emotions came from this specific event is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it sorrow? Is it grief? Is it anger? All the emotions I just said are different things. You know, I could feel guilty and angry about something, and those are different things. So why is it that I feel guilty? Why is it that I feel angry? Those are two separate things to address, and maybe even so significant that if I address the guilt from a situation, I think, oh, that that was a lot to take in that's, that was a lot and I'll leave it at that, but maybe I never got the chance to get around to the anger that a situation caused. And so even though it feels like I did my work and I addressed my trauma completely, it might turn out that I only addressed part of the trauma and I left out other parts that it might've left me with. So that, that's that. And in the past solo meditation retreats I went on was very much body healing and gosh, there's just so much I could say, Caesar. There's just so much to this stuff. I haven't even talked about presence at all. Presence is a huge form of meditation. Like you said, you, um, like you said that what I said makes you kind of think, Oh, maybe I could meditate in moments where it feels like I can't. And that's absolutely true. And a lot of the time, that's what presence can do for people. So like you said, you get lost in the stars and you don't even know how much time is going by because you're so focused on this thing that it feels like you're in a different world, right? And so if you don't have time to meditate and you definitely don't have time to make a solo meditation retreat for yourself, what you can do is actually taste your food. Stop just eating to eat and quickly chewing it and swallowing it. And maybe you do go, oh, this is so good. And so you chew even faster. And 
honestly, straight up, it's kind of funny to me not to say that I'm above anyone else or anything like that. But as a person who meditates so much and is so in love with the present moment, when I eat a really good meal, I eat so slow that people very often are like, is there something wrong with the food? And I almost laugh and I say, no, it's actually so good that I want to savor it and really be present with it. Because not only does it taste good, but the feeling of processing this food and it going into my body is just such a great feeling that I really want to soak in it. And so whenever you eat, if you can eat as slow as possible and focus on the food that you're eating, the taste, the processing, the gratitude that you have for the fact that you even get to eat at all, let alone this yummy, delicious food, really focus on your food that you're eating. That, I mean, that's an, that's an amazing point. Like I feel uh, people really do underestimate the power of presence and like the beauty behind it, you know, because a lot of times um, that's usually how like moments and memories are created when like you're most present, you know, because it allows you to literally observe and process what's going on right now. And hoping that your memory will help you like look back on that moment you know um i definitely do agree with that and eating food that is true there's uh there's been times where um i like the food is so delicious that i just take my time and just look at it sometimes like i don't eat it i just look like how beautiful you know it is and it's it could just be simple things like that that just make life better you know just it just makes life great like just the ability to be present it is um something that also takes time though to kind of develop that awareness to become present you know but yeah i i, I have also been practicing that um i actually have a i i realized how how effective it's gotten because uh there was one time i was at home i'm just walking i'm just walking around my house getting i went to the kitchen my mom's in the living room she was uh folding some clothes and she was just like watching her music videos that like you know she like and right now she was like at the moment she was watching like 80s rock and usually she like she'll watch like like she'll listen to spanish music but she was listening to the song i was made to love you by kiss and she was um she stopped folding she stopped folding clothes and she stood up and started like singing and dancing to the to the to the song and she just got so into it and i was just coming out of the kitchen i saw her and i was just kind of observing that moment and i realized uh, how adorable my mom looked and like how just like beautiful that moment was and i just saw my mom like just enjoying herself you know and then like once the song ended like she finally looked at me saying like yeah like this song reminds me of my older cousin that passed away and like yeah it just brings her good memories and now literally every single time i listen to that song it brings me back to that moment which made me realize that like yeah i was present at the moment like <laughs> i was just there absor- ab- ab- absorbing everything that was that i was feeling i was seeing i was hearing and it's like it allows you to hopefully remember those things that's such a great example of what we're talking about and it made me think of another great example and it was again like you're saying as an observer it made me happy to watch this person i loved this moment so um 
Chico State, we were all partying, everyone was having a good time, and I can't remember if it was a, a bar or a party, but everyone was just having a great time and into the music, and there was these two girls with sunglasses on, and it was dark, <laughs> but they had sunglasses on, and they were just so into what they were doing. They were having so much fun dancing, and that's what they were doing. They were dancing, nothing else, and they were just so into it and so passionate as if they couldn't see anyone else and nothing else mattered. And I said something to them afterward, like, oh, I love how into your dancing you are. And the girl takes off the sunglasses and she looks around and she looks at me and she says, girl, it's the glasses. And that same moment actually happened to me multiple other times where someone with sunglasses on when no one else has them on is dancing so passionately. And I say, oh, I appreciate how into your dancing you are. And they say it's the sunglasses. And so what that is, is when you have one of your senses blocked out, not that sunglasses wipes out your sense of seeing, but you know, you can't see what's in front of you the way you can without them. When some of your senses blocked out, the others are enhanced because you're able to focus more. So we have five senses, right? If you all of a sudden can't hear anything, you're gonna pay more attention to what you're seeing. That's just the way the human body works. So when people put sunglasses on in a club, they're going to dance more themselves because it's as if nobody's watching because they can't see them with those sunglasses on. And that actually is like full circle back to the meditation stuff. That's actually a practice that I do a lot. Um, when I got really sick in 2018, I suddenly completely out of nowhere lost either partially or completely four out of my five senses so all of a sudden one day I woke up and everything was blurry I never had glasses in my life always had perfect vision and at the age of 21 I literally woke up and everything was blurry and I was like whoa what's happening and um, shortly after that I found out that I had this disease and all this stuff and um, that was three years ago, and my sight is still blurrier than it was before that day I woke up. And all of a sudden, that same week, all of a sudden, my sense of smell was wiped out. And I'm just now, three years later, getting that back. So all of four out of my five senses were either partially or completely wiped out. And that made me, of course, just cater towards my senses more. And when I fell in love with meditation and became consistent with doing these meditative practices a lot of what I've done has been around sensory work because it was just and still is such an extreme thing to go through so because of my experience I taught myself a lot of information a lot of science and evidence-based research about the way that human senses work and so if you do want to get fun and creative sometime try putting a blindfold on. If you don't have a blindfold, put a sleep mask or just something that will like completely shut off what's in front of you and focus on something else that will enhance your, your other sense. So if possible, close your eyes, sit down with your back straight, don't have any noise at all, and 
get a food, maybe your favorite food, maybe a healthy food, maybe a simple food. A lot of um, meditation places do this practice with beans or raisins because they're so simple. One raisin at a time, one bean at a time. And chew your food, like I said, so slowly and put intention in it. But when you are cutting out the other senses, it's going to make that experience so much more enhanced. And when we hear about monks and yogis and these people who are living in temples for decades and people who we see as having supernatural powers who can do these really amazing things and we say wow they're they're these spiritual like powerful beings they're doing this exactly what i'm saying they are shutting off their other senses by choice for a moment and focusing so much into one sense that you're actually strengthening your senses and you're actually becoming more powerful of a human being by doing stuff like this. Wow. And um, is there like an example, like practice you could give us like with per se um, eyesight? You know, is there any uh, practice that um, could help improve, like, your sensory of eyesight? Yeah, so I love bubbles. And I have been, um, in the last couple months, it has been the first time that I'm more expressive about that and talking about it. And at some point, um, you'll see me out there on YouTube with a video dedicated to bubbles and the science behind how they work. And just look at bubbles. Just stare at bubbles and don't do anything else for as long as you can, but look at these bubbles and watch how they move. If it's in the shower, maybe you're washing dishes and you'll see that if you're in the shower, let's say there's a whole like bush of bubbles, right? There's just a whole bunch All it takes is your finger to go in the middle for a split second. And just like that, this whole mush of bubbles turns into something else. And the same thing if you're washing your dishes, there's all these bubbles. If you blow at it, you don't even have to touch the bubbles. If you just blow at them, you'll see them move in different directions. And when you stare at bubbles, you realize how unworldly it they move and in half of a second these bubbles could become a completely different thing you know 10 of them turn into one in half of a second and this whole area that looks one way will look a different way half a second later and even though it you know some people say okay what's the big deal but the things that humans see as super, it, it's like, this is super. We're, we're creating reality. We are simply blowing on this bubble. And just like that, all these bubbles are moving. And in such quick timing, I think bubbles are amazing. And if it's not bubbles, stare at a blade of grass. Go to wherever you can find a patch of grass that's at least bigger than several feet and stare at the grass and stare so closely at just one blade and anything, a flower, a tree, a blade of grass, water, bubbles, the carpet, 
a water bottle, the wall on your kitchen, the wall in your bedroom, no matter what you're looking at, even if it seems so plain and simple, when you stare at something very intensely, you realize that there's patterns within everything. Even if the wall is blank, you'll see that you could see like the paint behind that clear looking wall. It's not as plain as it seems when you actually focus on things. Yeah, uh, actually, um, there's something I like to do is that um, it always happens randomly. I never do it's never on purpose, but it's already happened at least like three times in my life where um, I would just be sitting down or standing somewhere and I see a spider catching its prey. So I decided to just look at it and like just see it happen. And there was one time I legit sat there for 30 minutes just looking at the spider, you know, and I mean, obviously that's a horrible death for the insect, but I mean, that's nature. That's literally nature. Like that's something that happens to every single day and every single moment, you know, but we never see it. And it's just little things like that, like seeing an ant, you know, like I'll see an ant and I'll, I'll just look at it. Or, you know, it's just, for me, I like seeing like living things. I like staring at, at living things. When it's moving, Um, I mean, obviously I'd rather it be uh slow like you know like something i could keep up with but yeah it's um that's 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 really interesting and if you don't mind like if you don't mind sharing like what is your sickness that's a whole other thing we might need another podcast for that it's actually a lot more complicated than me just saying like i have cancer it's it's a lot more complicated complicated than that. Um, but my sickness has the ability to affect every single organ and system in the body. And it sounds crazy, but it's what it is. It's all invisible. So people with my disease will go decades of suffering from things and not knowing that it's what it's coming from because when you take tests for things it all comes out normal and it's invisible not just through tests but also on the outside so like I said I was 21 when I woke up and everything was blurry and all of a sudden I couldn't smell and all of a sudden I just couldn't walk anymore I played soccer for nine years I played water polo and swam year-round for five years after my nine years of soccer And while I was playing water polo, I traveled different places around the country. And I also traveled internationally to play in an international water polo tournament. And so all of a sudden, at the age of 21, to not be able to walk. And for the next year and a half, I couldn't walk without knee braces. That's pretty sick. That's pretty dang sick of an illness to have. And throughout all of that, I always looked normal. Anyone who saw me just saw me as another regular 21-year-old. And the truth was, was that I, if I had been older than my age, I would have been diagnosed with dementia, Parkinson's disease, arthritis. There is just so much going on. And I looked completely normal. Um, So, That's why people have the disease that I have for decades at a time, because 
it's all invisible. And so over time, it could affect every cell in your body. So the nervous system is a pretty amazing thing. The human body is all connected in general, but especially with the nervous system. So I quickly learned with being sick that even though there was this one part of me that was sick, it was affecting things that you would never think were even connected. But that's just the way the human body works. And so um, so, so my disease, it, it can affect everything. I mean, it's just so random and things that you would never think about. So I, when I have to use the restroom, sometimes one of my eyes, my left or my right, will just like go out. Like I have to shut it because if I don't, it'll hurt me. And all of a sudden I like can't see. So it's not that I literally go blind, but sometimes if I have to use the restroom, my body is so focused with that issue. And it's such an intense like thing, like from one moment to the next that I just can't see all of a sudden. And it's interesting to me that that came about later on and not along with the bladder. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, but yeah, going back to the census thing, like that's something that I can fix and I do fix. Um, I may not have a, a test result that shows me that I'm fixing my bladder issues by focusing on my senses during meditation practices, but I don't need anyone to tell me that to know that it's working. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. My disease is very random. And I feel like that example where when I have to use the restroom, sometimes I can't see. That's a perfect example of how connected the human body is. And we don't even realize how connected everything is within us. And, um, oh wait, so like you said that this is like a lot more complicated. Um, is this like, and you mentioned cancer, is this a form of cancer or like a cousin of it? It manifests itself as cancer. So at this very moment that we're speaking, there are millions of Americans currently with cancer and who are receiving chemotherapy when they don't actually have cancer. What they actually have is chronic Lyme disease, which is what my disease is. I don't like saying that name to people right away because there's a lot of um, corruption that has to do with the disease. So if anyone looks up on Google or any website, any internet search, chronic Lyme disease, the information you find is most likely either false or they're telling the truth, but they're hiding so much that it might as well be false. And so it's interesting because when you go on the Center for Disease Control's website, they actually have lots of articles that straightforward say chronic Lyme disease causes cancer. So you could have chronic Lyme disease and also have cancer that was caused by it. Or it, you could also have your chronic Lyme disease manifest itself as cancer. So like I said, people at this very moment are receiving chemotherapy and living their lives as a sufferer of cancer when they don't have cancer, but the Lyme disease shows itself that way. It's called a mimic. That's the scientific word they use in articles is mimic. So it also mimics arthritis and it also mimics Parkinson's disease. And 
According to the Center for Disease Control, chronic Lyme disease has the ability to mimic any disease that has ever walked into a doctor's office. So you could find this information on the Center for Disease Control's website. Um, I actually have an article that I, I sent to my parents to validate myself and that I save and look at every now and then that pretty much talks about how chronic Lyme disease is worse than cancer. It doesn't say it the word worse, but it's all there. The All the different surveys and tests and all these different things that they do, it is worse than cancer, um, but they hide it. And so these articles exist on the internet, but you have to go so out of your way to find them. And when you search about chronic Lyme disease, you might see something that pops up from the Center for Disease Control. So it's acknowledging it, but they're also hiding the information. Or you might find something that's like just straight up not true. So the thing that makes this disease what it is, is that doctors say it doesn't exist all across the United States of America and in the world too. This disease is a worldwide issue, but in the USA, we're all across doctors state chronic Lyme disease does not exist. The, the healthcare system states that if you don't have this very certain symptom of Lyme disease, you don't have Lyme disease. But the Center for Disease Control straight up says only a third of people get it. But all the healthcare places that you'll go to say, oh, you didn't have that symptom that only a third of people get. Well, you don't have it, and it's not possible for Lyme disease to go on longer than this many months, so it's not real. And you could even say, well, this, this, and this, and the Center for Disease Control says this, and show them all this information, but when you get your tests done, it all comes out normal. You look normal, and that is when they say it's all in your head. That, so like, how did you, um, how did you find out that, you know, the Center for Disease Control, like, is that the only, like, credible place that has enough information, or? I like to stick with that as the base of things, because that is what people listen to. I know a lot of information and I, I continuously teach myself things for my own sake. But when it comes to like having to prove the disease to other people or just in general conversations about it, I do like to stick with the Center for Disease Control because it is the, I feel like it's a number one primary thing that people will take as credibility. I agree. Yeah. And it, it blows my mind how they, they say that it could be in your head. But specifically, like, with you as a person and as a character and how involved and invested you are into your head, like, meditation is all about that. There's no way this is, like, not real. It's kind of ridiculous. And, it, I mean, I remember you, like, throughout the, throughout these few, like, last few, like, these previous few years, you would, you've told me before about, you know, that you had Lyme disease. But, um never like in depth where you told me you know and it is really really uh scary it, it, it is scary to kind of uh see that and 
kind of hear you say these things as your reality, you know? And I assume there's no cure to this. Yeah, thank you for saying that because it, it is so insane and horrible of a thing to go through and there's so many different things to it. So to answer your question, many people state there is no cure for chronic Lyme disease. There is definitely for Lyme disease, but chronic Lyme disease, the difference is that it's so many years of the body having the disease. And so many people state it is not possible once it's in your body for so many years, it's just not possible to ever not be in your body to some extent. But because I am a true believer in forms of meditation that are powerful enough to cure any illness, I believe that any illness can be cured with, with meditation. I, it's not as simple as I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here today saying I, I meditate as much as I do and I try so hard and I still <laughs> have my eyes go out all of a sudden from one second to the next. So it's not so straightforward. Like I'm just going to cure myself. Um, there's so much to it, but I do think it's, it's curable, even though they say it's not. No. Yeah. I mean, even breaking, like breaking down the placebo effect, like that itself at its rawest form is showing how powerful the mind is, you know, and how people literally like, will take a sugar pill thinking it's going to help with their, like when they're sick and they literally get better. Like that just proves on how powerful the mind can be. However, sometimes the body, especially what you have can kind of, uh, I don't like the word get the best of you, but it can definitely be a bigger obstacle. Diseases are hard and definitely, uh, something that, uh, Especially, uh, I mean, it's never easy to deal with that at, at any age, you know? It, it's even more difficult when you're younger, when you don't understand. But like, when it comes to people our age, like, it's it's pretty, um, it's crazy to see how, like, different um, mindsets are. Like, and also with the physical body. Like, some people are in amazing shape. Like, I personally, uh, you know, I was just, that, I was just found out I have a connective tissue disease. Part of it is arthritis, which means that, like, I'm weak right now and I'm fatigued and Three years ago, I had no problem with my body, and I thought I was invincible and vulnerable, and I didn't think my body was like, I had no idea that I'll be 25, um, 20, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I had no idea I'll be 24 right now, and literally, I sometimes have trouble opening up a jar or something, you know, um, it's, I mean, obviously, life works differently, some people just get a good deck of cards, some don't, you know, uh, but the ability to kind of like be able to live with the chaos, you know, it's definitely a gift and presence definitely does play like a huge role in that. I assume with you, mm -hmm. you know, that's something I really did appreciate about you is that I remember your first time going to EDC, you, uh, you didn't take any pictures cause you were just so in the moment, you know? And a lot of these times you've just always been in the moment I, I'm not sure if you remember, but in our freshman year in Chico, me and you actually went to a concert of a AFI, 30 Seconds to Mars, and Lincoln Park. And I remember, like, we got we, we paid $20. We got lawn tickets. It was amazing. 
and we and like we were just dancing and just listening to the music and you, like your energy <laughs> definitely spread to me and it was amazing you know um like how do you do that like I, how are you able to just allow yourself to be present like is it a state of mind or like what like like what goes on in the mind of Brina <laughs> thank you for that question because I actually forget sometimes that a lot of the things that I sometimes think are a result of the things I've gone through in the last few years I forget that these parts of me were actually there way before my sickness so a lot of the time I do connect my ability to be so so deeply present with the fact that I was suddenly part vegetable at the age of 21. I suddenly couldn't walk and move and out of nowhere was just going through this insane, insane body that, like you said, you weren't expecting it. I wasn't expecting that. I knew I had some mental issues, but I wasn't expecting to like almost die and lose the hair at the top of my head and all these crazy things. So I do kind of forget that presence and other parts of me were were there long before that. I mean, there are parts of people that that we're just born with. I do think that I was born someone who is more carefree and maybe cares less about the opinions of others. Um, than other people maybe, but then there's other things that, um, you know, you could, you could change. Maybe you were born someone who maybe you identify as caring too much what people think, and that takes away from your ability to be present, but you could teach yourself and learn to not care so much. And if it's not about caring what people think, maybe it's, um, literally just the ability to be present like your brain is just so like oh look at that look at that look at that and so if you could teach yourself to do um to do something it's all about consistency I think that that's the thing to remember if you're trying to teach yourself to be a more present person if you're trying to teach yourself to be more happy with what's going on instead of focusing on the negative it's always coming down to consistency Olympians and star athletes are where they are because of consistency, right? It's all consistency. So with presence, I think that these little moments are what matters most. So rather than saying, okay, I'm going to take 30 minutes a day or 30 minutes a week to do this present-related meditative practice, that could be a good idea, but I feel like for a lot of people, a better idea is to just say throughout my days, every day, when I notice, oh, I could be present in this moment, then do it. Put a reminder on your phone. That's what I do for lots of things. Maybe put a reminder that says um, be present or put a reminder that says bubbles to remind you like when you when that notification comes in it'll strike you a little harder like if you get the notification saying be present you might be like oh okay yeah like be present okay let me be present in this moment but if it says bubbles you'll be like wait what bubbles oh that's right bubbles bubbles huh yeah that's huh bubbles like 
it's just such a simple everyday thing that nobody pays attention to. But when you do, I think it's such a remarkable thing. And again, focusing on these things enhances senses and makes us more just stronger humans. Um, So, yeah, I, I do think part of it is just me and my personality, but I think that people could could get that way if they're not already and it's consistency for sure i mean yeah i i agree it is it has to be consistency like there has to be an awareness to that um that's something i've been practicing right now because uh I cur- i'm currently uh, taking off work for two months like due to my health issues and my medical condition so like being at home a lot means that like i need a i need to figure out ways to kind of uh not not escape but to be comfortable, you know. So, um, my unfortunately, uh, the lupus is very sensitive to my skin, so I can't do it as much as I would have loved to. But I like to sunbathe. Just sit that, sit like go outside for at least a minute and just like absorb the sun and like feel the heat, feel the freshness. Look at the mountains in my front yard sit down, relax, you know, um, I do the same thing with sunsets, you know, I look at the sunsets, I look at the pretty colors, I look at the different, like, color in the sky, sometimes I just like like to look out and look at the mountains, you know, it's just very simple things, being consistent that allows you to be aware of how, how, like, what is, like, about presence, you know, because I feel also a lot of people kind of don't understand the importance of presence, the importance of being aware of now, you know, because they're so caught up with worrying about tomorrow, worrying about next week, next year, like worrying about what they're going to do that they forget that they're alive at the moment. And, you know, they're like, they could be happy. They might not be happy. They might be kind trying to like ignore that part, you know? Um, I've actually recently done uh, like, an evaluation of my life, you know, just thinking of like, am I happy? Like really like with everything. And, um, despite like the health issues that I've gotten recently, that's not really stopping me from what I'm doing. I actually had a really long conversation with my parents today, today, um, because they were curious to see, um, they're curious about like, what was my mental state right now? You know, like they, I haven't told them anything about like my plans and stuff. And I'm supposed to graduate from Cal Poly with my bachelor's this spring, this May. So my dad asked me like, Hey, like, what are your plans? You know, like, what do you want to do once you graduate? And he was already trying to tell me like what to do. You know, he was like, yeah, you should start updating your resume, you know, start putting you out like on the degrees or like going on LinkedIn, start doing that. And I told him like, dad, like, like, um, I, I know what I'm going to do. Like, I have a plan already. Um, I was telling them, like, what I want to do. Like, I was telling them my plan, you know, because uh, it was a lot of different things. I have a lot of different goals that take different time. But, I, you know, like, I told them, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is my plan, what I want to do after school. After, after school, I pretty much want to invest that time I spent into school into being more productive with myself, expanding Zenith, you know, hopefully, like, starting the clothing line for that. I'm also going to manifest this here on the Zenith podcast that I want to try to create a program or uh, a workshop um, that would allow me to use my bachelor's degrees in communications 
to go to high schools and middle schools and teach kids basic public speaking and interpersonal skills because I feel I didn't learn I didn't learn that in high school you know I feel people can benefit from something simple as that so that's something I want to do and it's not going to be easy like it's going to take a lot of time and uh, I might fail I might not it doesn't matter like I do want to try that I do want to do that you know and um kind of just work on myself you know like also just with making sure that I'm still happy and me doing things that make me feel happy and contempt and most of all like I'm not sure about you but one of my biggest fears in life is unfulfilled potential like it's one of my biggest fears but also like not fears but I mean also I hate it like I hate wasted potential like it's you know like it literally crushes your spirit and yeah sometimes like life kind of stops you you know like but you have to allow yourself to channel and focus the energy that you have into the best possible outcome for yourself you know i agree and what you just said it a, a lot of people don't realize that that conversation with your dad it does a lot more for us than what we realize, kind of going back to the thing about being a child and subconscious programming. You know, it may not feel like it in that moment, or maybe it did, but that conversation with your dad will go a long way in your body. Um, Sorry, like, blinks. Subconscious programming, it is so real and people don't hear about it but it is so real please look into it it's not a opinion it's not like you know oh this person's catholic this person's christian this person's buddhist it's not one of those things human beings are all 95 percent subconscious and that programming is made off of certain things. And so I wanted to highlight this, Caesar, um, based on what you just shared. I think it's amazing that you're doing what you want to do. And even if someone says, hey, I think you should do this with your degree, you're like, well, no, because I have this potential and I'm not going to unfill this potential. Like, And you're just so just so passionate about making sure that your goals are reached that you're not going to stop and let anyone get in your way that's what it sounds like right yeah i um that's definitely what i told them like i was kind of breaking it down to them on kind of uh because you also have a communications degree right yes yeah so i'm focused on interpersonal interpersonal communication studies which means it's the study of relationships i'm literally going to a four-year university to learn about interpersonal relationships this is something that doesn't have a clear road for me it's not like going to school to become a mechanical engineer i graduate and get a job as a mechanical engineer like there's no direct path for me there's so many different things so i'm allowing myself to expand the potential by opening up these different layers of opportunities you know so one thing is this podcast um i I started this already this is already something that's i'm going down this path I'm opening up the path of me starting a clothing line, Zenith clothing. It's going to happen eventually. Like That's going to happen. Eventually, I want to do this program workshop with kids. That's another way. The reason why I want to do that is because once I finish school, there's no way I'm going to be able to public speak. 
public speaking has always been so easy to do with presentations at school and I've always loved it. And I definitely don't want to stop doing, stop it, stop public speaking. I actually just want to get better. You know, my dream in life, Brina, like if there's something I would, if there's something that will solidify what I want to do, it's to do a TED talk. I believe it's so, I, I'm so amazed on how powerful TED Talks are. You know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of a random topic someone tells you can change your life. These people talk about everything from science to technology to procrastination, you know. And I was telling my parents about this, how, you know, I also like I, in in my job resume, I have four years of manager experience now. Like that's some that's another opportunity. Like that's another path I'm in. Like and just because I'm in there doesn't mean I could stop doing these other things. And I was talking to my parents about this, and this is something I actually want to ask you, because uh, I had I had this conversation with uh, two of my good friends, and it was a great point like that we just thought of. So like we started thinking of. Like, what could a meaning of, what could a purpose in life mean? You know, I feel a lot of people can try to break it, try to make it very specific, try to break it down, like, be very detailed. But then I feel that you can break that down to its most basic foundation. So one of my friends, he said that he feels his purpose in life is to learn. To learn, like, he's studying Buddhism, Eastern philosophy, he likes reading books, He's constantly learning. And he's also a graphic, graphic uh, designer, photographer. Like, he loves to learn. Another one of my friends, a very simple thing. Like, he broke it down to his core. Based off of everything that he's been doing, his purpose in life is to help. To help people. Since he was a, since he was a kid, he's in, been involved in the community. He's been involved in school. He's He was literally the ASB class president. You know, he's worked as a kind of counselor type of thing in college. Like, this is the path that kind of been there, you know? It's to help people. And I figured out mine. Mine is to connect. To connect with people. Everything I've done is leading me to that. You know, I started this podcast to connect to people. I am learning communication studies to literally learn how to connect to people. I'm an extreme extrovert. Why? Because I like to connect to people. You know, like, have have you th- have you ever thought of this before? Yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised if anyone hasn't. <laughs> I'd hope everyone has at some point. Yeah, I I feel like I identify with your friend. It's to help people. My answer may not be to help. My answer is more of my purpose in life is to elevate and improve the world around me as much as I possibly can in my lifetime. But that basically means to help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I feel a lot of people don't do this. Like, if I'm being completely honest with you, I think people get so stuck in life that they don't look at what they're doing. Like, what is it that they're doing? Like, what are the patterns in life that that have happened already? What hap- What has happened to them that led them there? You know, it's, it's, it could be something so simple as just going backwards in your life. Like, okay, I'm here. Why am I here? Okay, because I did this, because of this, because I met this person, because I went here, because this happened. But a lot of people forget to do that. Like, people don't kind of think about their lives as often as they probably should. They're too busy being the, the spectator, you know, mm-hmm. that they're not the driver. 
or it's vice versa. They're too busy being the driver that they're not spectating. I completely agree, and I keep bringing up subconscious programming for a reason. Just everything we're saying, I'm like, yep, there it is. Again, I think it's interesting that when you asked me, um, do you think about that? What is your purpose in life? I really was like, well, who wouldn't think that way? And you're like, oh, I think a lot of people. And then once you you started talking, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, sometimes it's easy to just be so in our own worlds and live life the way we're living it that we might forget the way other people are. And so because I'm so obsessed with and constantly in this mindset, like addressing my purpose, addressing um, my traumas and addressing my happiness that went on in the day. I'm I'm very specific about all this. So of course I'm going to feel like, well, of course I address that question, but that's because of my subconscious programming. Um, it's you said something that made me think of something that happened this past week um, on a date with this girl that I will not be seeing again. <laughs> um, but besides that, you, I also love TED Talks. They're incredible. They open up the world for so much. I mean, education is power. Knowledge is power. One single TED Talk can change a person's life, and that person's life being changed could do so much in the world. What if the person whose life was changed ends up starting an organization and that organization a century later has saved countries from falling apart and no longer being able to exist? You know, like that really is how things work sometimes. And so I was on a date with this girl and um, she says, you know, I don't like TED Talks. In fact, I, I really hate them actually and she just had so much badness to say about tech talks and I was like I don't get it what is there to not like about tech talks and um she's a she does a lot with um like the the public system not that she works for the government but she she works a lot with like government types of people and those types of things and she says for every 15 minutes that a TED Talk is recorded and for every this many TED Talks, the amount of money that is made is only this much. And it almost shocked me that she said that. I just wasn't expecting it. And like that was I, the first like correlation she got? Like, what? Yeah, she was only correlating TED Talks to the amount of money that it had to deal with. And, oh, I remember what she said now. Oh, my gosh. She said that... I don't like TED Talks because they charge this amount of money for people to go in um, to see the TED Talk live, but then it's not really making this much money. I don't think that they should do that. I think only um, the people who pay for it should be able to, to view it. And so I was like, well, isn't the point of TED Talks to inform people? Like, no matter who you are, you shouldn't have to be rich to receive information yeah, that's suppressing information like knowledge like, yeah that's literally like establishing how powerful knowledge is yeah and so i didn't realize it before that date but after i was like oh so she's an elitist like she sees things as like if- Pri- like not privileged but the other the other aspect of it of um not everyone deserves it i guess yeah and so she's like well if you can't pay for this information why should someone deserve to receive the information? And she sees TED Talks as like, if it's spending this much money, 
we shouldn't be doing it because it's about the money. And I'm like, well, there's this information that's helping people. Like, oh my gosh, it was just mind blowing to me. And so she feels that way because of her subconscious programming. She grew up in an environment and has lived a life throughout her years. And right now in this time at this moment in her life is continuing to support things that support the idea that everything revolves around money. And she has, um, you know, worked for humanitarian places and says a lot of things about, um, you know, caring for people. So the fact that she's both in one, um, it's interesting because a lot of people say like, oh, well, I care about people, but they're so focused on the money that they forget how to balance the two, you know, saying that, information should only be for people who could afford it is not looking out for the people who are in poverty. And so um, it's interesting, you know, we all have such different outlooks on things and we're all addressing the same thing. Here we are talking about the greatness of TED Talks and someone else somewhere else is talking about how horrible they are. And the thing that makes things what they are is that we believe in what we're saying I really, truly believe TED Talks are so great that I don't think I'll ever be able to see them as wrong. And people who view things as wrong are so certain of that that they may not be able to ever see it as right. It's very fascinating. Yeah, that's that's, that's such an interesting, like, I don't know how that conversation ended up with you and her, but that, um, yeah, definitely... I do agree with you on how TED, TED Talks can change lives because I'm, that to be honest, the TED Talk changed my life. It was 2016. I saw the TED Talk of Tim Urban talking about procrastination. I'm not sure if you've seen that one, but that is now one of my personal favorite TED Talks in the world because he literally broke down what is procrastination, but in the most simple way possible and he made it so impactful that it literally made me aware of like to be aware of, like to be aware of it to learn and information you know and seeing how he was able to go up there and talk about procrastination and it being on TED you know like next like like next video is about uh, neuroscience you know like it's crazy how the how broad of a range TED talks offer with topics. And when I saw him do that, it made me realize that, like, that is something I want to do. You know, I don't know what it, I don't know what I'm going to do. It may be about communication studies, you know, maybe about relationships. I'm not sure. That's something that life is going to just kind of, we'll see where life takes me, you know. Definitely, I'm doing my part on it because I feel like life is a combination of both chaos and responsibility. So... It's chaos because you can't control everything in life, you know, 100. Like, there's no way you can control everything in life. Like, the universe is always expanding. Time is always continuing, you know. Like, there's literally a huge wave of chaos that's constantly going. And it's time. And sometimes we wish we could stop it. Sometimes we wish we could fast forward, you know. But the thing we can do 100% no matter what is... Um, control the way we respond and that has to do with subconscious programming you know like the way we respond 
Yeah, yeah, it it does, and I I try to to see the pros and cons and everything. So let me just say that I'm about to talk about the cons of social media, and let me say that I recognize the pros. I really do, especially when people are quarantined. Of course, it is a pro to have the ability to connect with other people, but I think a lot of people are missing how much of who they are is being stripped away from them because of how much social media they're using. So Caesar, you have expressed that you are so passionate about your goals and even if your dad says one thing and if someone else says another thing, you're going to continue with Zenith no matter what. And no matter what anyone says to me, I am going to continue on with my goals. But there's so many people out there who have these goals and they say, I can't do it. But they don't really know where the I can't do it is coming from. Well, a lot of the time when we're on social media, we're we're seeing what everyone else is doing. And when it's so consistent and especially so constant that you're absorbed in everyone else's life, that you're not able to live your life for yourself. You end up living for other people, but you're not realizing it. And it's not a direct thing. It's not like you are applying for this job and as you're filling out the questions, you stop and go, is this really what I want? Or do I want this job because I saw my friends on Instagram talking about how much they love having this job and now I'm choosing it because they like it and I'm not addressing what I really want in life. You know, that's that's probably not going to happen, but what probably would happen anyways, going through those questions and kind of pausing in this part of you deep down going, is this really what you want? But you're so focused on being getting the next thing done. A lot of people are so like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? They're not in the present moment. And so if you're not in the present moment, just like that, you could fill out this application, not take a moment to address whether or not this job is what your heart desires. And next thing you know, you're working there for however many months or years and you hate your job and you're telling everyone how much you hate your job and you wish you could get out but the pay is just so good and so then you end up living this life where you settle for something that makes you happy because it's giving you money that you need but you're just so miserable because it's not what you actually want but you were never present enough to realize that what you wanted was actually a result of other people's experiences influencing you. The more, and especially, like I said, the more constant and consistent you are involved with other people's lives, you're not going to be able to see the reality of your own. Wow. Snap. Snap, snap. Oh, my God. I don't know what to respond to that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. No, but, I mean, it's true, though. Like, it's, um, it, 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 it's, it's fascinating to see how people um, are so involved in 
with what other people think about them and with money. Those two are some of the scariest influence, influences of life, you know, other people's opinions and money. And it's, I mean, like, justify, justify me so, like, because, I mean, it must be nice to fucking be born into generational wealth, you know? Because yeah. fucking financial problems are not fucking easy. Like, it's, yes, like, we could say, oh, yeah, like, just don't worry about money, you know? Money's always going to be here. Money's always going to be here. Like, yes, it that is true. But for some people, like, money, maybe, may, money may, may buy happiness. I don't believe so. I think money, I don't think money can buy happiness. I think money is just a resource that will allow you to control what you want to do in life, you know? And yeah, I mean, more money would be nice because you're not worrying about any financial problems. Financial problems, I think, are some of the biggest indicators of of anxiety and depression, you know, especially for Americans, you know, on, on in our this day and age with capitalism, you know, like thinking, like making people think that like, oh yeah, you need to go to college. You need to get in, you need to get in debt. You can't, but you can't buy a house. You can't afford the house. You need to get, you need to get a credit card because you need to raise your credit score, but it's not good enough. So we can't give you an apartment. Like none of this makes sense. Like it's fucking ridiculous. And social media is another thing that I feel that this could be another episode on is the ability is like just the way that everyone always highlights the good parts that whenever people don't it's 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 seen as like looking for attention or as like looking for sympathy when it's not it shouldn't you know it should just like so like that's that, that's kind of why I did my life update you know my life update wasn't something that was per se like great you know it wasn't something positive but it wasn't necessarily negative it was just something like i'm dealing with life and you know i i i I shared my perspective i shared my vulnerability with it because i feel some people don't do that not even with themselves and that's what's scary when people aren't vulnerable with themselves you know but it takes time It, it definitely takes time it takes practice it takes consistency like you said there was a quote that it's stuck. It's it's been stuck with me, like ever since I heard it. But it's by Kevin Hart, saying everybody want to be great, but nobody want to put the work in. You can substitute the word great for anything, mm-hmm. and that that is and that statement is true. Everybody wants to be happy, you know. Everybody wants to be comfortable, but nobody want to put the work in. A lot of people don't want to put the work in, and that's what separates those that are built different. You know, you have to kind of be built different mm-hmm. in order to succeed. You know, especially in, especially when you're not like given the same opportunities as like generational wealth, you know, like middle age, like the, the elite. Yeah, I, I agree. And a lot, a lot of people, they could be, they could have someone acknowledge for them. If maybe you can't figure it out yourself, someone might come in and say, Hey, you, you're on your phone a lot. Like I noticed that you're not watching your son very much and you seem like you're on your phone, you know, and sometimes people will take things so negatively and feel like they're being attacked that they don't realize people are trying to help them. So maybe if someone brings something up to you, it's it's important to take acknowledgement of that because I feel like even me personally, I can think of multiple people where 
I, I, I said like, Hey, like I acknowledge this thing. Like maybe that's something that like could be addressed. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Like straight up, like, yeah, you're right. It is a problem. Um, but like, you know, I'm not really ready to stop. And if that's your choice, then that's your choice. But if that's your choice, why are you saying a year later, I don't know why I'm in the same place I am. Like, yeah, if, it, like, if, if it's your choice, like, you have to also be aware of the consequences. Because life is it's filled with consequences. Whether it's something that's going to show 10 years from now, something that's going to show tomorrow, life is full of consequences. The consequences are what, is, it's part of the chaos, you know? Sometimes the consequences are good, you know? Like you, you getting to meditation was an amazing consequence in life that mm-hmm. just led you to this journey where you got, you're now be able to go to Bali. That's part, that's a consequence. Thanks to fucking meditation. You know, it's, it's like, like, you know, that's what, like, I feel like that awareness definitely allows you to kind of, uh, have a, not a, not a, I mean, yeah, an advantage in life, actually, you know, definitely consequences in life can be, super like powerful and you just have to understand that you can control them sometimes but you can like you but sometimes you can like and you can't be surprised when you decide not to do anything and like different and expect a different outcome i agree and you're kind of touching on this a moment ago where it's about how we react to things you were saying how we can't control everything but what we do have control over is how we react to things. So if if you if you're someone who believes that money equals happiness and disease equals sadness, you know, there's so many people at this moment and especially in the last year who very very genuinely wholeheartedly believe well, how could I possibly be happy when there is a pandemic going on? And kind of going back to what we were talking about a little bit ago, our, our belief in TED Talks being good, right? If you believe in that so intensely, like you're not going to, you might not be able to see any other way. Like a lot of people cannot see it possible to be happy during a pandemic. But what I think is, how is it that so many people are so happy but they're in poverty or maybe even in a war-torn country it is such a privilege to be even able to have conversations about well how could i be happy when we're in a pandemic that is a privilege because there are so many people in the world who when this pandemic became a thing it was nothing to them because they their entire country has been in intense war for years and they live in a country where sickness like the extreme that covid-19 is extreme sickness has been conquering their country for decades and so it is a privilege to even be able to think that way at all how is it that me and so many other people with a severe disease are genuinely happy, but a lot of people who are filthy rich are genuinely sad? It's not about what happens to us. It's about the way we react. If I win the lottery right now, I'm going to be really happy, right? There's not much denying that. 
But in five years from now, I could still be a sad and angry person or the other way around. I might have even worse things happen to me than what have already happened to me. And I might have that happen and end up happier than the way I am because I might take those experiences as like, wow, like it could get worse. I didn't think it could, but it could. That means it could get better and it's already pretty damn great. So if it could get worse, it could get better. And just like that, I'm seeing the positives. So it really is about how we react to things, but awareness like knowledge is power. And so even if you try to react to things how you want, you do have to have practice and awareness and knowledge and consistency to to make it a part of your life. Oh yeah, I I agree that uh definitely when it comes to <laughs> knowledge is power, you know, def like knowledge is power and some people like it, it it's all based on perspective though. Like you know, going back to like you your life is not easy, but look at literally how happy you are. Compared to someone who probably has never had to deal with a chronic disease, who never had to deal with financial issues, feel like they're depressed. It all has to do with perception. Sometimes, I, I, to be honest, I'm grateful with the struggles in life because struggles and challenges are what builds character. It allows you to grow because you're not comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I really don't. I I thought of this example, if if I could share it. Um, we're talking about pretty extreme stuff, right? I just talked about war-torn countries and pandemics and disease and these intense things, but it doesn't have to be thought of that way. Me and Caesar are talking about how it's about perspective and the way that we go about things are a result of our subconscious and about um, our result of the way that we live our lives. So the other day I I had this friend post a Snapchat. And so um, I, I don't know who it was, just some random person on the internet said, if you have your deodorant and your lotion on your desk, like on your bedroom desk like this, you're a tacky person. And then there was the picture with the deodorant and the lotion. And I was like, in my mind, like, oh, I definitely do because that's convenient. Like, I don't care what the word tacky means. If I want my deodorant and lotion handy at any moment when I'm in my room, it's going on the table. I don't care what tack, like, who cares? You know, that's how I feel. And my friend who posted it posted that And then she showed her deodorant and the lotion on her desk and she made this face like, oh, shoot, like, I guess I'm a tacky person. So the point of me giving this example is to talk about, again, the subconscious programming. So it may not seem like a big deal, but what could be going on in this moment is you could be seeing this social media post and you go, oh, I must be a tacky person. And you may not even think about it. Maybe it doesn't even make you sad. Like, you're not like, oh, no, I'm tacky. But you're just like, oh, I guess I'm tacky. Like, ha, ha, whatever. And so then some time goes by and you see the word tacky somewhere else. And it reminds you of that moment. 
and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Apparently I'm tacky because I put my deodorant and my lotion on my desk. Like apparently I'm tacky. And then some more time goes by and someone's talking about being tacky. And in the back of your mind, you go, oh yeah, that's right. I'm tacky. And so then more time goes by and you're choosing an outfit for the night. You're going out with your friends, you and your girls are going clubbing, and you're putting on these earrings, and you look in the mirror, and your outfit's chosen, and you look amazing, and you're going, damn, I am a boss-ass bitch, I am going to work it tonight, I look so damn good, and you're confident, and you are ready to have a great night. But then, when you're walking out, you look in the mirror, and you give yourself a second look, and you go... These earrings are kind of tacky, aren't they? And so then you start second guessing your outfit and you're staring at these earrings and you're like, you know what? These are too tacky. These don't look good. What was I even thinking? And the next thing you know, you're walking out of your house with a different outfit. And so you go to the club and you have a good night. Not very extravagant, but it's like whatever. And you go home and go to sleep. What if you wore that original outfit that is your true self? That is what you truly wanted. That is who you truly are was that choice. But you made a different choice based on this social media post from a person you've never met and will never meet or see in your entire life. But that random social media post that didn't matter at all Who cares about who puts deodorant in their bedroom in a certain spot? That doesn't matter. But that moment led you to change your outfit. What if you would have met the love of your life because the love of your life looks at you in the club and you're dancing and being yourself and they go, wow, I love those earrings. And they go up to you and they introduce yourself And you live the most amazing life with your soulmate. And the first words that were ever exchanged between you were, I love your earrings. The power of subconscious programming people, ladies and gentlemen. That is... I... I... I, I, (laughs) Rena, you literally, this whole fucking episode, you left me speechless with what you said you are such a powerful person and i want to thank you for allowing yourself to come here and share a teeny grain of sand of your life and your knowledge and your perspective i did not know how important how how great um of an impact subconscious programming can do you know um Definitely that's what's helping you understand life is you're constantly working on that, you know, with meditation and everything that you're doing is leading you down this path, you know. Um, Again, uh, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for sharing this. This is definitely something that I'm not, I I, I believe, I truly believe people are like need to hear this and it's going to benefit them. You know, it's not easy. But this last example definitely solidified. I don't, I did, like, how did you think of that? Can I ask you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 
It just comes to me. I did speech and debate in college. I think you would have loved it. I, I wish you would have done it with me at Chico State. Um, oh, I know. But speech and debate, uh, it's not just debate. People hear that and go, oh, what do you debate oh, it's, about? It's critical thinking. Yeah. Um, one of the areas of speech and debate is impromptu. So I'm sure that my experience with impromptu um, allows me to have the ability to do what I do now, which is in conversation, just come up with things that have happened at any point and i could use it as an example just like that on the spot 100 percent, 100 percent. like impromptu speaking just in general communication like you studying this and practicing this i'll like 100 percent that the you know did this right now so uh people communications it's fucking real it's gonna benefit you <laughs> like if you if you ever think it was going to speech debate do it i joined it for about a year in rio hondo she did it for a few years in chico and both times, I met amazing people. She met amazing people. It would have been amazing if we did it together. But sadly, that's life, you know. I'm just glad that we're able to do this podcast together. So, um, again, Brina, I'm very uh, thank you for being on here. I really appreciate it. And uh, for those who aren't doing it yet, you can follow me at Zenith underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Brina, I know you, you like to be off the grid. Is there anything like, is there any social medias that you have that you can share or like, (laughs) thank you. I don't have Instagram or Twitter. Um, but very soon my YouTube channel name will be Brina and beyond. Um, yeah, I don't, I really have much. Uh, That one's coming soon. People, Brina and beyond search that up on YouTube soon. It will, it will be, it's going to be here. It's going to. She's ready, and I'm and I'm ready for her. I'm excited for her. And uh, with that being said, this will conclude this this episode. And remember, knowledge is power. Look into meditation. It, like, there's different forms. It might help you. It, it would it would most likely help you than do any than do any harm. You know, presence. It's important. You know, just be mindful and understand the importance of like your subconscious and sometimes you know like your ability to just be able to. Take a look at what what exactly and why exactly are you doing what you're doing. And with that being said, I'm doing this and you know where to find me at. I'm always going to be here no matter what. The Zenith. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.